everybody, how you doing? It's Cole Cabana, professional wrestler and professional podcaster. You are not listening to The Art of Wrestling, but you are listening to Behind the Gorilla. What a week it's been. So much to talk about and so many things we can't talk about. <laughs> oh. Me and my friend Mark, we're going to stop watching. I'm Mark. And I'm Harris. And we'd like to welcome you to Behind the Gorilla, a podcast where we delve into the wild, wacky, and crazy side of professional wrestling. All right, how's it going, everyone? And uh, welcome to a special edition Behind the Gorilla. Because Wrestle Kingdom 14 has happened, and so uh, we got to talk about that because, Harris, I don't think there's ever been a bad Wrestle Kingdom show, and not only that, I don't think there's ever not been a great Wrestle Kingdom show, which is something we definitely cannot say about WrestleMania. (laughs) Okay, now I will say I'm pretty infamous, at least on this program, for only watching New Japan once a year and saying oh this is pretty cool i need to watch it more often and then not doing that (laughs) hey i i'm i'm in there with you i've only watched slightly more i i just i will say it it is easier i think to be a fan of a promotion when you only watch one show a year but no you're right i mean every year i tune in for this because it's it's must see tv if you're a wrestling fan even a very american wrestling fan like me who isn't you know into a lot of the foreign promotions and I've never watched it and thought, well, that was pretty lame or that match everyone was talking about wasn't that great. Like, no, it always delivers. You're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it was great again and weird this year with two days. I didn't even know it was two days till Friday. And so that was strange. It was a little weird and it definitely felt like it was kind of being forced into two days. But at the same time, there was still enough to where it wasn't to where it worked. See, this this is a show that really won me over because every year for two or three years now, you know, as WrestleMania has grown into this eight hour monstrosity where the crowd is dead for the last two or three matches, the biggest matches of the year, what should be the season finale for WWE. Every year there's a rumor that, oh, you know, maybe they'll, you know, next year, maybe they'll make it two days. Maybe they'll split it. Maybe they should split it. And I always think, no, 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 that's a bad idea. Just make it shorter and cut some people this two night format works at least at least and when it's like the show i feel like because people have a lot more patience for it well and they built the fact that it was two days into the program and it was all and they like there were stakes from the first night that yeah. carried over to the second night. Exactly. So it wasn't just like, this is half and half. Exactly. It was literally like, this directly impacts this, so therefore your interest is still there. Exactly. It was two parts of one whole show. Because the way I'd always pictured it is, if you split like WrestleMania into two days, you're going to have day one, which is most of the stuff that doesn't matter, and then day two, which is the stuff that does matter. Or at right. least that's how it's going which to Which, that happens with two-part movies as well. Yeah. Which is why something like Infinity, you know, Endgame and Infinity War were so great because Infinity War was just amazing, you know, in and of its own, probably even the better movie. So right. when you're able to do that, it's really something special. Exactly. So I didn't think this was going to work at all. I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I didn't know that it was happening until 
maybe a week before just because I kind of know, oh, yeah, Wrestle Kingdom's coming up. I'll have to check that out. And I think I was watching. You paid more attention than I did. I didn't even pay attention to Wrestle Kingdom till an hour before the show started. I just know early January because it's the only New Japan I ever watch. So I'm like, oh, yeah, that's coming up. Sweet. Like I look forward to it. Yes, I get to watch New New Japan again, even though you could watch it whenever. But it's just like, oh, yeah, I get to watch it again now. Well, and this is like. This is the one thing that I know about and can reliably get to. And there's just so much of it. It's hard to keep up with. You know, it's, it's hard very to keep up confusing because but... New Japan's not like, all right, it's every week on this day. And this, it's like, it's very all over the place, it yeah. seems like, yeah. anyway. So, okay, the dirty little secret before we get too much further into this I haven't finished night two yet. Yeah. I just watched Jushin Thunder Liger get pinned in his retirement match, his final retirement match. But. Just having finished night one earlier today and like the last match, I watched everything else earlier. It doesn't matter. And seeing all of the different ways that different matches are going to build into this match and that match. Like the main event being the, the what do they call it? The double dash for the gold or something, something like that? Like it's something that. very, it's very Japanese in the mm-hmm. way that they talk about it. But okay, here's the Intercontinental title match. Here's the heavyweight title match. The winners of these two matches are going to face each other for the other two matches. Like it all has built to this moment so the second day doesn't feel like the second half of one show it feels like an even grander for lack of a better word like more ultimate story you know what i mean yeah no i totally agree um but uh so interesting with this show before we start talking about it um i was telling harris before harris said when did you text me like a couple days ago about (laughs) wrestle wrestle kingdom (laughs) Yeah, something like that, because we were talking about there was a hardcore show in Athens. Right, you yeah, were saying, yeah, yeah. Hey, we should go to this, and I just between all the driving I did for the holidays, this was the first day that I'd been back in my apartment, and I didn't want to drive up to Athens on short notice. Me and Harris are the worst wrestling fans ever. We live in Atlanta, where there's like thirty different little promotions within like an hour and a half drive, and we've been to zero of them. I appreciate. I now to be you fair, just throw me under the bus. No, 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 no. That's definitely not all you. Because at least the past two or three times I've found a show, it's like, oh, it's literally on like, you know, I'll have like one day in a like Friday, Saturday, Sunday where I have something going on, right. and it's like whatever day that is is the day there's a wrestling show. So it's like, oh, okay, I'm free Saturday and Sunday. Oh, there's a wrestling show on Friday. You got to be yep. kidding me. Or oh, I'm free on Sunday. Oh, that there's a there's a wrestling show on Saturday. You know, it's been like that for the past like couple of months. It's annoying. Right, but what I said was, okay, well we can't go, but we'll still have plenty of wrestling to watch this weekend because this weekend is Wrestle Kingdom. And I'm pretty sure that was when you realized that this weekend was Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, I wasn't paying attention and I was like, "Oh yeah. That's this weekend." And then I still forgot about it. And then like an hour and a half, this was now Friday night or I guess that early Saturday morning, I-, I was not planning on anything. I'd, like, finished a movie. It was, like, 1 a.m., and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's almost – it's time for bed or whatever else. And I saw something – I don't remember what it was, but so- somehow I saw something was like, wait a minute, Wrestle Kingdom is today. I No, I was like, I think Wrestle Kingdom is today. It's either today or tomorrow. Let me look this up because if it is, it probably starts, like, 3 a.m. looked up. I was like, oh, it starts in an hour and a half. Yep. Okay. And then I kind of paused for a second and was like, sure. And then signed up for New Japan World again and proceeded to be up till 8, 15 a.m. watching the first night. 
of uh, of Wrestle Kingdom. So now I got another story about last night for the second night mm-hmm. because all right. So I was looking it up and I was okay. So start start at three. Let's look it up and and I don't remember what website it was. Whatever it was said it was starting three again. So I was like okay cool. So I went back and I was like all right I I whatever watched a movie. It was like two something a.m. and I pulled up Twitter and they're like all these match results and I was like what what what's going on and then I looked and and the show was like half over and then I looked up and like and someone on Twitter was like no it started at one today <laughs> how do people know when this starts and why would you change the start time on back to back days it doesn't make any sense and the website that I looked weird. at was wrong and I wish I remembered what it was because I would trash them on here. I- so I missed the first like four matches last huh. night, and I had to go back and I I I watched uh, t- today. I I watched uh, Jushin Thunder Liger's last match. Mm-hmm. I skipped the tag team match because I didn't have time, and then I watched the uh, Zack Saber Jr. and a uh, Sonata match. And then when I turned it on, it was like right at the end of the U.S. title match with Juice and Moxley. So I haven't seen that whole match either. But man, I was mad. <laughs> I, that does make sense though, because I'm watching it now. Like I said, I just finished the first match, and you can see daylight like filtering yeah. in through the Tokyo Dome, which I've never seen before. And I never, like, I never realized what the crowd looks like and what the inside of the arena looks like because it's so well lit that the lighting is on the ring. You can't see the crowd. I didn't realize everyone in the building is sitting on the floor. Until just now, because it's still daylight, because they started the show two hours earlier. That's really fun. Right. Which I'm happy they did, because I was able to go to bed at like 5.45 <laughs> instead of 8.15. But but I just wish I knew about it ahead of time. Oh, well. I so mean, that was annoying. Even with a two-day show, the cards are so long that yeah. it's almost better to just see half of it, just because you're more invested. Well, that, that you know, that is a fair point. That's a fair point. There was just stuff that I wanted to see, like like – you know, Liger's last match and Zack Sabre Jr. is one of the most fun wrestlers to watch because he's just the most technically outstanding wrestler in the world right now. And and, and he makes up half of his moves. Like he, he, you know, wrestling moves are fairly common. Uh, You know, I mean, even you have the slight variations and some finishers and stuff like that. And every now and then someone comes up with a cool thing, but in, in general, the way a wrestling match is wrestled is pretty much the same for mm-hmm. the most part. And mm-hmm. his are not. He's doing, like, basic moves. I was like, I have no idea what he's doing. He twisted the guy into, like, nine knots. How is he not dead? Like, it, he's, he's a lot of fun to watch. You're, you're right, and I agree. And I went ahead and skipped to this match, so I'm watching their entrances now. Because if you didn't watch the tag match, I'm certainly not going to watch it. I don't even know anybody in that. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I yeah. agree with everything you just said, and also with a gun to my head, I'm not sure I could tell the difference between Zack Sabre Jr. and Will Ospreay. <laughs> like, they <laughs> occupy the same space in my mind. Like, indie wrestler, British, really, really good. Great. One can jump 30 feet in a single bound, and the other one can twist you into nine pretzels in a okay. second and a half. That That's kind That'll, of the difference. By the end of the day, by the end of this show, I'm going to have a better idea of the difference. Like, I know they're different people, and I know they do different things, but I don't, like, yeah, like I said, they kind of occupy the same corner of my brain, so. But, uh, 
Anyway, so so going back to day one, obviously you start off with Jushin Liger in the big eight-man tag match, which there were three of them in a row. And uh, I thought that was done great. You have all these old guys, all these legends. Now, I'm not familiar with really any of them except for Tiger Mask because I'm, I didn't grow up just watching all Japanese wrestling. Um, and I, it was so funny watching them all come out cause they're, they're, they're old and, yeah. and they look old and they're kind of struggling to get to the ring and they look like, you know, my dad, if he tried to go out and wrestle and I was like, all right, well, you know, we'll see. Obviously, you know, they're all friends and, and long time you know, people. So I get it. You know, that, that's great. Yeah. I'm all for it. They could go like almost every one of them could go. Yeah. And and they they I thought they did a great job of spacing it out. Obviously, it was an eight man tag, so neither person had to do too much. And I thought it was done really well. And then you know he takes the pin, um, by uh, Taguchi at the end, and a bunch of people freaked out on Twitter like, "What? Why are you have like? It's like, are you kidding me? Has nobody watched wrestling? You always lose." Well, no, okay, but here's the counterpoint to that, because I, again, I didn't know anything about this coming into it, but when I heard, okay, they're doing two matches, right? Right. The first night and the second night, and the first night is the big blowout, like all his best friends and all his greatest enemies. That seems like the fun match, and that seems like something that, like, it would make sense for him to win and have, like, the fun moment, and then the next night put someone else over. Like, that was what everyone, I think, assumed was going to happen. I'm not mad about it. No, that's a fair point. I saw some people say that. And I I mean, I I would get that. But at the same time, I don't know. I just, you lose at the end. Just always. That's just, that's just the way it is in wrestling. You go out on your back. And so, uh, anyway, so I thought that was, that was done really well. And I was pleasantly surprised with actually the quality of the match. Yeah. Um, then we had the other eight man match, which was, you know, fine. You have a bunch of great people in there, like Evil and Sonata and Bushi and, Zack Sabre Jr. and Suzuki and all those people. And, you know, it was good. And then Zack Sabre Jr. gets the win mm-hmm. with one of the most brutal submissions I've ever seen in my life. Like, the way he twisted Bushi up, I, I thought both his shoulders were broken. And they were just pop, going <laughs> to pop out and his whole body was just going to fall limp to the ground. I don't know if I've ever seen something that looked more like shoot painful in a wrestling match than whatever Zack Sabre Jr. did to Bushi. <laughs> Like I, I physically went like ah when when I when he put it on it. That happens like a lot. Like when he tapped, I was I'm relieved. Fine. Yeah. Like he tapped, I was like, thank goodness, get him out. And then he held it on for like a minute. <laughs> oh, that, that was happens awesome. a lot that was in awesome. New Japan. I think people get kicked in the face and dropped on their neck like so many times in every match that I always find myself going ooh. <laughs> that is true. It's strong style, man. I mean, it's it, it's brutal, and we're gonna talk about that more as we. We go on. That's oh, for sure. yeah. Heck, yeah. But so I thought right. that was great uh, just for the ending. Again, all these four, like, eight-man tag matches, they were all good. And they all felt different, even though they were all kind of the same thing. Because, like, the first one was mm-hmm. the Liger thing. Then the second one was kind of the all the kind of top, some of the top guys. And then the next one, you know, you had Bullet Club and Chaos. So there was even that in there. So all of them kind of had their own spin. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, I I think this is the WWE fan in me. I tend to tune out eight-man tag matches a little bit more 
except with something like Jushin Thunder Liger where I kind of knew the story, not knowing anyone else or anything else that was going on in the other ones, I, I, I didn't focus on them that much. I'll be honest with you. I was kind of waiting for the main stuff on the card. But, yeah, you're right. I think it's something to do – you know, the, the Japanese strong style itself. Maybe it's just, again, because we only watch this promotion like once or twice a year, but sure. even just something like a quote-unquote throwaway eight-man tag to start the show, to get everybody on the card. It does. It, it feels more meaningful. Yeah. No, it definitely does. Um, and then that, that next one was good. Um, it's just fun seeing Bullet Club, even though they were completely crapped on this whole show, which I, I, I get it. I get what they were doing because of the end, but... Uh, that was kind of weird, but that was a great match too, because you had a uh, Ishi finally like suplex Bad Luck Fale, which was a great moment, <laughs> and uh, the announcers went nuts, so that really helped too. Um, the announcing team was great, and I didn't even know. I mean, obviously, I know Kevin Kelly, the main guy, and he's awesome, but the other guys I wasn't as familiar with. I mean, obviously, Rocky Romero, I know him; he's done a lot of stuff, but the other two guys. I was not as familiar with, but I thought they all were great. I, th- I thought it was a great announcing team. Yeah, I don't know any of them, but I find, you know, y- you appreciate them more the less you know about what's happening. Because it's up to these guys. Like, they know right, a lot right. of the people tuning in, especially from America, are people like me who watch it once a year. And they do a really good job of telling every story and selling everything. I know it used to be JR. I don't know if he did it last year or if he was done by then obviously he's with AEW now but it was him in the past and he did a pretty good job of you know selling that big fight feel that's Mm -hmm. kind of what we come to expect from him but you know everyone loves the guy I think we all feel like he's kind of lost a step when it comes to telling a story as it's playing out in the ring so yeah I I, sounds mean to say I didn't miss him but you know what I mean like these guys did Mm -hmm. a really really good job and I didn't feel like it was Bush League or the minor leagues or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love Kevin Kelly. I mean, he's he's fantastic. He he might be my favorite wrestling announcer um, other than Tony Schiavone. Tony Schiavone's the GOAT. But uh, tag team match was great. The tag team title match. I love seeing uh, Tongaloa and Tamatanga wrestle. They're just yeah. awesome. They, they are awesome, man. They're such a great tag team. And I'm almost disappointed. They're, they're in New Japan. <laughs> Because I don't get to, I don't watch them as much, but uh, they're just great. And then I didn't know about this uh, Juice Robinson, David Finley tag team. I mean, I know both guys, although I Juice. Did, although I didn't know who Juice was for the first like half of the match, because I was like, who's this guy <laughs> who looks like Primo? Like I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea who this is. Um, I was like, this is Dreadlocks Juice Robinson. I was so confused, but uh, I don't know why in the world he decided to cut his hair it was a bad move but anyway he looks um, he looks very different than the last time i saw him. oh god i wasn't I, the only one who thought that i didn't even i didn't even recognize him I, I kept having to make sure like david finley wasn't juice robinson half the time like, uh-huh. I, didn't, uh-huh. I i think david finley looks more like juice robinson in that match even though juice robinson was in the match um i was i was busy trying to tell tomatonga and his tag team partner apart because i again <laughs> Tom, watched Tongaloa. them so little and they're they remind they're here's the thing. They're like the New Japan Usos, like they're just really cool and they're clearly Samoan. Right. Well they're and they Hakus. Dress street. They're Hakus right. kids. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like they are so I'm sure that you know, their work rate or whatever, like their style is different. But yeah. 
they have a lot in common. That's all I could think of. I was oh, like, this okay. is just New Japan Usos. And it's very <laughs> funny because Tomatonga is in like a Twitter feud with Enzo Amore right now. And I can't imagine. Tomatonga is in a Twitter feud wrestling. with at least 19 people at any given time. Well, Enzo's the only other one that I follow. So I see both of them going <laughs> back and forth at each other. And I'm just like, man, y'all are the most different people in this business. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's fair enough. Um, and then, of course, you know David Finley, the son of Fit Finley. Well, that makes sense. WWE. So, so Hornswoggle's brother, yeah? No, no, <laughs> no. Remember, Hornswoggle was not Finley's kid. He was Mr. McMahon's kid. Um, we talked about that on an episode of the show. Look that up. Actually, don't. It was horrible. That's the terrible, terrible, terrible angle. Never mind. Um, but an- another great tag team match again, because the Gorillas of, De- of Destiny are just vicious. I mean, they're, they're they're big guys. They're they're the Samoans, so they have that kind of vicious Samoan style of wrestling, and then mixed into the New Japan style, which is also a, st- a tough style of wrestling. It's just kind of brutal watching them work. And then, obviously, as it's a tag team themselves, they're perfect. I mean, it's like watching the Young Bucks. I mean, because they're brother, you know, they're brothers, and they've literally been doing this for so long that they just flow so well together. And it just further shows how much I love tag team wrestling and how great tag team wrestling can be when you have legitimate tag teams in legitimate stories in like you know, given enough time for the matches. Like it's great. Yeah, and this is this is going to sound like a silly point, but coming from someone like me who is more invested in story and characters than pure work rate, even something as simple as the name and the look, like Gorillas of Destiny, with the matching – like it's like black street clothes and the red shoes. It's a cool look. They just – you can – you look at them and you see them together and you're instantly like, yeah, no, these guys are one unit. Yep. You know what I mean? Like it's just little simple storytelling details like and that. And that was a story throughout the match <laughs> – as the broadcasters were saying, these guys have not wrestled a singles match all year. Like, and and I don't so mean all year is in the three up. days awesome. of 2020. Like all of 2019, yeah. they did not wrestle a singles match, so that they would, you know, hone and keep their tag team prowess, which was a great addition to that. Yeah, and I, I forgot that they said that, but I heard that and I thought the same thing. I was like, whoa, that's actually awesome. Yeah, that you was get great. that a lot. Um, but then Juice Robinson and Finley again. I didn't even know they were a tag team, um, but but mm-hmm. I thought they did a really good job together. I was very surprised they got the win, um, but they were just burying Bullet Club just the whole the whole thing. But Interesting. Uh, but that you know, but that was fun. It was, it was fun. Those guys were great as well. Just great work, right? I think these two types of uh, uh, styles fit really well together. When you have the one tag team that's more kind of the vicious kind of brutal side and then more of the quick uh quick kind of smaller team on the other side it it, it makes for a real good mesh of a match and i thought they did mm-hmm. a good job with that mm-hmm. so new tag team chance champs with robinson and finley winning and uh then we go to the u.s title match a texas death match uh u.s champion lance archer versus AEW's john moxley and that was fine I mean, a lot of people liked the match more than I did. I thought it was... I, I didn't think it was really anything special. I just thought it was good. It was a good, kind of kind of hardcore match, but not really. And uh, yeah. it, it's a hardcore match for New Japan standards, for sure. 
Um, and then, but the best part of that match was the end. That Death Rider through the two tables was just fantastic. That was awesome. It was gnarly, and gnarly, wasn't it? I thought Archer had been impaled and was dead on on that table because it broke up on him. Yeah. And, he landed uh, on it real weird. Like his back landed on the part that pointed up. No, no, no. His broke. stomach. His stomach was like oh, okay. on the corner down. and like to where his feet were like off the ground. So he was like mm-hmm. just dropped as it broke, like right on that. And it like sliced his arm, like the table and everything. It was gnarly. That was awesome. That was an awesome ending. But uh, but I thought yeah, the match I was think... fine. Like Like both guys did a good job. I think there's a difference like you it didn't feel like this might sound like semantics. It didn't feel like a hardcore match so much as like a street fight. And I yeah, know it yeah, could yeah. be kind of the same thing. When you call it, it a was, Texas I mean, it death match, it didn't really yeah. seem like a Texas death match. Yeah. But if you're from Japan, it probably seems more exotic to call it that. Well, <laughs> I mean, Japan has plenty of wild, insanely brutal wrestling, but just New Japan right. doesn't. Right. Well, and they want to keep it sort of sportier, which is why, I, again, it's a weird distinction. But to me, it felt more like a street fight, like it was brutal and weapons were allowed, but it wasn't a total like barbed wire, right. light tubes, table on fire sort of match, which is fine. I think for something like New Japan, which wants to be more of the sports side of wrestling and less of like the CZW side of wrestling. And I appreciate that, like. I think in a more insane match, like I think the fact that it was a little bit muted, like it wasn't as hardcore as his match with Kenny Omega, for example. But I uh, think no. that allows like the the better spots, the bigger spots to be sold a little better. Like I was kind of scared. I'm glad that table spot ended the match because you're right. It was a crazy moment and a crazy bump. But I really kind of thought, oh, well, geez, he's going to kick out and they're going to try to top this. No, no, like it's OK. He got. DDT through two sets of tables. He's he's dead. That's, yeah, that should end a match. You know what I mean? Like it kept some sense of scale. So I enjoyed it. I think it was just it was a solid Moxley hardcore match. I mean, it wasn't anything we haven't seen before, but it was still good. Yeah, and I like to see him holding a New Japan belt. That's exciting. Yeah, yeah, that was interesting. Um, so yeah, so that was good. Then we had the uh, Junior Heavyweight Championship match. Osprey and uh, Hiromo Takahashi, which now you have to say both names because there's another Takahashi in the Bullet Club and it's very confusing. But um, <laughs> uh, that match I thought was great. Um, a lot of people, this was their favorite match of the whole Wrestle Kingdom. Um, the one issue with this match, and and it was an issue the entire show. I don't know what was going on with the referees, but. It was the worst counts I've ever seen in a wrestling match in my entire life. And it it, it had to have been on purpose because it was the whole two days. But this match with whoever that ref was, it wasn't Red Shoes. With whoever it was, it was awful. Where they would literally, you'd go for a pin and the ref would go one, two, and would pause. The ref would pause before he would then even start a three count. And the person who's waiting, like a, a sign of a good wrestling kick out is you kick out like as the hand's coming down, you know, like at the right. last second. So the wrestlers, especially like Osprey, would be waiting for that. And the ref would stop before he even started to count three. So you'd have like a, a half a second 
where he's not kicking out and the ref is not counting and you're like the match should be over like the match should be over didn't kick out why didn't you count it and then and then he that happened like six times in this one match it happened throughout the whole show in various ways but this match it was awful it was awful it happened that bad so many times where it would just be like ref why aren't you counting he hasn't kicked out yet like why did you not count three and it, it really hurt the match for me because I couldn't stop noticing that. But other than that, both the other guys are great. I mean, Osprey is the legs of a springed monkey. I don't even know. But, man, it was Put awesome. Put that on a t-shirt. Oh, please, please. Legs of a springed monkey. But anyway, I don't know if you noticed that. You probably didn't, Harris. But uh, it was it was very annoying. But congrats to Takahashi, who... <coughs> Who wins the title? That was big, big win for him. But uh, but a great a great match. Other other than that one, the the refing. Yeah, I guess I was distracted by all the flips. I just you're right. I didn't <laughs> I didn't think about it too much. This is a this is a different question that I have. But I noticed that I think in the Moxley match. No, it wouldn't have been the Moxley match because that was a death match. When they're counting countouts, like when they're counting to ten. At least the one match I noticed where they did it a lot. The refs were counting in English. Yeah, yeah. Is that, that normal? Is weird. Uh, or is that I've just always because the two participants in the match spoke English. I wasn't. I, I didn't understand I, that. I think they did that for every match. Yeah, that's what I thought. So, then, like, you hear the PA announce it after the ref says it, so the crowd knows. Yeah, which is kind of cool. I think they, they just also counted said in, English. It in English. I just thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, it's weird. I think they just do it in English because I've always heard them do it in English in New yeah. Japan stuff, which is. Well, maybe not always, but I feel like for the most part, which yeah. is kind of weird to think about, but I don't know, that's fine with me. I, I can't count in Japanese. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's It's nice that they all learned how to do it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it is. Although, I mean, I think speaking <clears throat> English is fairly common for a lot of sure these type of companies. But um, it's just, it's a funny transition because, you know, you have the commentary team and they're good, like we discussed. And then you have the video packages, which are just the most Japanese thing in the world. <laughs> and and there's subtitles, but they're Japanese subtitles. Right. So it doesn't like <laughs> I don't know what's happening. No, I need the no, commentary no idea. team to be Unless good there's because an I English see videos wrestler of the participants in the, in the video, match and I'm like, I don't know what's happening. Unless there's a wrestler in the video an English wrestler in the video package. Right. I have no idea what's going on. Right, and then they'll be talking back and forth to like the other guy who's cutting a promo in Japanese. I'm right. Like, All right. Well. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So. That is that is funny. It, now it wasn't funnier than hearing um, Kazuchika Okada say "ask him ref" in English, in the in the championship match, which was just amazing. One of my favorite yeah. moments of the whole whole time. But that, you that's, can hear that's a fair point. Yeah, they don't censor like in the Moxley match. What is that guy's name? His his slogan was "Everyone dies," right? Yeah, Lance Archer. Like yeah, so at one point he turns to Moxley and goes, "Everyone effing dies," <laughs> and they don't censor it or anything. No, they don't censor Japanese, anything. So they don't like, they don't care if you don't speak English, you don't know what he's saying. But you can hear him cussing Moxley out under his breath. Oh yeah, you can that always hear that in uh, New Japan shows. It is it is quite funny. Um, but no, but uh, again, a great match. Osprey's so much fun to watch. He really is. Yeah. Um, for me, he can it can go overboard with him. He's the height of the flip floppy, no selling type thing. <laughs> yeah, but for sure. 
but he's so good that he can do all that. So, kind of like the Young Bucks. They do that all mm-hmm. the time, and that is a part of them I don't particularly like. But they're also some of the best at actual wrestling, too. So when they yeah. do that, it's amazing. Osprey's the same way. He chooses to, you know, do that kind of stuff sometimes. But I didn't really feel like that was a whole lot in this match. This match felt much more like just a real match. But then with some of those cool high-flying elements, of course, as well. But I I didn't think they ever went too far with that. And I thought it was a really good balance. Yeah, I I think for a show like this, and I'm not super familiar with his work as we've discussed, but... With something with a New Japan Wrestle Kingdom match, he's going to bring it down to earth a little bit. The worst example I always think of is yeah, yeah, yeah. that spot fest <laughs> that he did with Ricochet that yep. like ended up going viral and was on SportsCenter where they were just doing backflips around each other. Right, the, the ballet, like the ballet seconds. match. Sure. Woo, that was see that was bad, and it I'm was. glad that his matches are not like that. But it kicked off this whole argument in wrestling circles. That's just like. That's one end of the extreme, but you're right. The reason he can get away with that is because he can play the other side of the spectrum really well, too, mm-hmm. and meet in the middle when it's a big enough match in the right environment. So, yeah, I agree. I thought that was a lot of fun. Also, I love how New Japan like does things as far as their titles go or, or weight classes or anything like that because mm-hmm. almost always, now, like nowadays, they start at the Junior Heavyweight Championship. And right. then they work their way up both in status and f- literally physically they yeah. work their way up to the heavyweight. I mean, you know, uh, one of the best examples was Kenny Omega being the junior heavyweight champion staple for years and then working his way up into the heavyweight scene. And now Osprey's doing the same thing. And I would not be surprised if we see him in that same position in a year or so where he's up there in the main event of the heavyweight titles. Yeah. Because he's that. And you know guy. what I'd love? You know what I'd love about that is I remember because I, I remember hearing this on a YouTube channel where they, you know, they discuss New Japan in passing like every few months or whatever. Like there's a couple people that follow it, but they don't cover it regularly. But they pointed that out and they explained that maybe six months ago. And they said, oh, yeah, I think Will Ospreay is going to start to try and challenge and eventually move up to heavyweight. And that's still that's still happening. Like, it's been almost a year since I first heard that. And it's still in progress. They haven't already done it. They didn't do it in three months. They are really letting it cook. That's what I really enjoy about New Japan. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other cool thing with this match, just real quick before we move on, because we do need to move on. Um The story was Takahashi, he's been he had had like big neck injury, like a neck injury, mm-hmm. so he's been out for a long time. So that mm-hmm. was the story in this match of Osprey continuing to target the neck and it was just it was great. It, it and of course his finish his finisher that Os Cutter is the neck. So it just it, it worked really well. There was of course the awesome exchange that went viral on Twitter of him flipping in and out of the ring like three different times, which was awesome. Yeah. And uh but anyway, um Takahashi wins and uh is the new junior heavyweight champion. Um Intercontinental Championship match, Jay White, the champion, and Tatsuya Naito. Um another great match. Another great match. You have the leader of the Bullet Club, Ultimate Heel, a guy that's just perfect for hating in Jay White. And then of course he's with Gato, so it makes it even worse. And another person very easy to hate. Mm-hmm. And uh, Naito, who's trying to, you know, he's trying to do it again. 
He, he's never quite gotten to that mountaintop, and he has to now go through two different guys to get there. And another just perfect setup for a story, and I thought these guys put on a really good match. Yeah, I think this was my favorite match just because, again, not being as invested in the work rate as a lot of people. These were the two people that I knew the most about. Not that I know a ton about anybody in Japan, but I know Naito. I remember him from the last two or three WrestleManias. I think he's got this really unique look and charisma about him that just makes him click. And the commentary team did a really good job putting that over, too, saying he's like one of the most beloved people in Japan, that sort of thing. Also, I know who Jay White is because you may remember this. When he first beat Okada for the heavyweight title, that was when I realized that every time they said Jay White, I was picturing Jay people <laughs> and that right. they were two different people. So this was the first <laughs> Jay White match I've seen knowing who he is and what he looks like. Okay, I forgot about that. Yeah. So I enjoyed it a lot for that, for those reasons. I felt more invested. I knew who these people were. I knew the general storylines, like you said, ultimate heel bullet club leader versus like everyone's favorite. Not quite an also ran, but he isn't Okada. He isn't Omega. You know right. what I mean? He has to really fight to get to the top. Yeah. And, so and I has had that chances that fun. he... And also, I saw... I, I mistakenly saw the card for day two and thought that Jay White won the match. So I was watching <laughs> it, and then when Naito won, I was like, yes! Awesome! Okay! <laughs> I didn't think that was going to happen. So this was the one I enjoyed the most and was pleasantly surprised by. That's funny. Um... Yeah, like, he's the guy who has not been able to capitalize on his several chances to get there. And so, again, a great story of kind of, they didn't really make it that way, but but almost kind of felt like a last chance, even though it's not. But it kind of felt that way with him. And Mm -hmm. so I thought that was a really good, that was really good, too. So Naito wins, um, Intercontinental Champion. Uh, Then we had the, uh, the main event. IWGP Heavyweight Championship match, Kazuchika Okada and Kota Ibushi. Harris, this is one of my favorite matches I've ever seen. It was, it was amazing. It's not the best. The best match is still definitely, I would say, Okada um, Omega Four from Dominion two years ago. So the seven star match. Yeah, that was <laughs> when when Omega won the title for the first time. That yeah, that was just yeah. that that's that's the best match I've ever seen. Um, it was so so good, but uh, but this one was up there. This will probably be in my top ten all time matches. I loved this match. I loved everything about this match. Kazuchika Okada is, I I think without a doubt the best wrestler in the world right now, and I think he's one of the best all time already. And he's thirty two years old. This is his seventh Wrestle Kingdom main eventing, and he's thirty two. Oh. <laughs> he's the I think he's the longest combined reigning heavyweight champion in new japan history i could be wrong about that but he's held about i think four times i think he would this was his fourth reign and Mm -hmm. i mean like two of his reigns were like a year and a half or two years long and stuff like he's just he's the guy he is the guy and i don't know if there's anyone better like right from the start when this guy just walks down the ramp he just has this like aura about him of this is a legend and it's just so cool. And I don't think there's anyone else in wrestling right now that has that. If you know what I'm talking about. I do. I think some of that again, comes back to the fact that new Japan 
is such a sport focused wrestling promotion and it's all it's not all about the work rate but a lot of it is about the work rate right and when you have somebody who like you said if if he's not the best person in the world he has the opportunity to show it off the most on a most consistent basis in the highest profile spot in and the wrestling he always delivers that features work rate the most and he always delivers no matter who I think it's that, with yeah 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 well i so no you're you're right you're absolutely right i think it's one of those things that just knowing what they are and leaning into that reputation kind of allows it to feed on itself and their consistency and their long-term booking and the fact that they put emphasis on the things that they do just enhances their top talent, especially him. Like, I, yeah. I think you're absolutely right. I do have a confession. I kind of expected that you were overblowing his entrance a little bit. Uh, no, you didn't. It was awesome. It was <laughs> it's, so cool. It's one of the best entrances I've seen in my entire life. It was. It, it genuinely was, was. It was so awesome with the video board. It was just every, again, and the fact that it was him. Like, he is the best. He is the champion of the promotion. Like, everything about it made it just one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, yeah it was that was, a, that was a lot of fun. I tweeted out a gif of it, and it went viral, and... It got liked like 200 and or for viral for us is like, anything, I was going to say what viral for us is anything over 10 likes. And, uh, this was like 260 something likes that, that I got for, uh, my gif of, of that entrance. Cause it was just, it was so cool. I could watch that all day. Like he okay. just stands there. The, the, the weird giant things like go after him and he just like points and they just crumble and then the he just rain, like, pulls yeah. his his arms his like hands up and this like pulsing light comes off of him like with the rainmaker like mm-hmm. name over and then it just crump collapsed it was so cool it was so cool okay now let me let me ask you another thing this might be a confession it might just be a question i want to get your opinion on this the rainmaker as a finisher how do you feel about that all right, I'm glad you I'm glad you you uh, said that because I was gonna get to that. Okay. I had never really been a fan of it, especially at first. It was like it's a clothesline. Okay, like, that's what I thought. It's a clothesline. Like, you no, know that doesn't bother me. But I was like, but because I know like he just hits a clothesline better than anybody else, so that's why he's his, it's his finisher. <laughs> right, but I right. wanted to ask you because I was watching the match and I was like, okay, that's the rainmaker, but. He, it's just a clothesline. Does Mark have a problem? Harris, with that? at this point, and and it was literally like in this match, like like this time watching, I was literally <laughs> like, you know what? No, this is awesome. I totally have flipped. <laughs> I love it, and I I don't care. And and another reason is because it's a bushy, so he just uh, wants to break his neck so bad that every yep. time he takes it, it just looked like the greatest thing ever. And so I'm like, nope, I'm all in with the Rainmaker. He's good enough. He can do whatever movie wants, and I believe it's good enough to win. And, yeah, so I agree. Now, going back, though, to Okada, I I, I saw someone mention this because someone was talking about him on Twitter and saying how good he is, but they just don't – they can't get over his facial expressions of how he just looks disinterested the whole time. And I had to reply to this because I love it because – and this this is what I was saying – He's, I think it's perfect because he is the best and he knows he's the best. So therefore he's not getting, he doesn't get affected emotionally in matches. 
he's like he's like a dynasty team. He just wins. He's won so much. No, he's like the Patriots. Like the Patriots. Now they did lose yesterday, <laughs> which was amazing. But I... over the years, the Patriots are significantly less emotional than almost any other NFL team because they're just the best and they know it and they win. So it's just like I and or even Alabama, they're another team like that. They've just won so much. They have this just kind of cold, calculating, get it done, yeah, type of thing. And I that's the way I feel about Okada. He's that type of person. So I love how he just goes through matches. And and someone else mentioned this. Like Okada is, I feel like, in a perfect world, what Randy Orton should have been if WWE cared more about work rate. Well, if Randy Orton cared more, that that too, that too, that too. <laughs> Because Okada, it kind of reminds me, that's the only person I can think of that even reminds me of Okada, mm. is, is is a Randy Orton type. Kind of similar build, Randy Orton's taller, but but similar build, similar mm-hmm. type of just so effortless when they yeah. wrestle and just work with anyone. Again, the kind of cold calculating thing was a kind of always a thing with Randy. So, I don't know. If Randy had cared maybe more, and if WWE cared more about work rate... I feel like Randy Orton maybe in a alternate universe could have been like an Okada type figure. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting. So again, as a pretty casual fan, I remember like the first thing I heard about Okada was he was, you know, the golden boy, the face, the best of the best, whatever. And the WWE equivalent would be someone like John Cena at his peak, not because yeah, of their yeah. work rate, but because of what each like new Japan oh, prioritizes the work rate. That's what Okada is so good at. With Cena, he's the golden boy. He's the number one A for so long because he has so much charisma, because he's got this great magnetism and personality. And he's a good wrestler, but that's mm-hmm. not why he's the guy. Right. You know what I mean? But the best stuff that John Cena's ever done is the stuff that he sells like pure death, but he doesn't over emote for. Mm-hmm. And those are the moments, like the things that I think, you know, drive a lot of people crazy about Cena is he's got this. This is, you know, obviously kind of past tense at this point because he's not really active anymore, at least not right now. But he would be pitched as the best, as the Yankees, as the New England Patriots. But every match, he would just look like he was at his absolute wits end and he was doomed and he was going to lose, which is kind of a classic, you know, that's an American pro wrestling. That's Hulk Hogan. That's, you know, whatever. That's kind of what you do as the babyface. Yeah. But the best stuff he's ever done is when he's just like, nope, we're going to work. And he seemingly doesn't sell it like he seems indifferent but that's what makes it matter the most and that makes way more sense from a character perspective so i'm glad you pointed that out because i agree i'm totally with you um but this match okay so enough about okada obushi's amazing obviously everyone knows that obushi's so so good just physically in the ring um and i thought that was the story in this match again okada's not the story in the matches because he is the guy he's already yeah. there yeah it's all about the other person the challenger coming up for it and and you know abushi was the tag team with omega omega had this big feud with okada was able to finally win you know all that stuff so there's all that abushi's finally becoming the guy goes through the g1 tournament you know all that stuff get gets this title match on the biggest stage and his story arc throughout this match was awesome. It was so 
good. He goes through, you know, he has his good moments, he gets beat up a lot, but then he ends up snapping and just going just full, like, rage monster at one point, Mm -hmm. which is never, like, again, he's a guy who's like, kind of like Okada, he's normally not very emotional, very straightforward, gets through the match, but he just snapped, and to where the crowd started booing him. As he was just physically destroying Okada. Like, that's one of the most brutal offense offenses I've ever seen in a wrestling match. Like, he, I swear, he had to have been just punching the crap out of him for real. Like, do you remember? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, he just, he did. He, like, something just snapped near the end. Yeah, I do remember that. I didn't, it, I didn't take that much notice of the crowd reaction, but I would, you the could. The crowd started you booing him. Flipped. And it was, uh, oh, it was awesome. This just different switch. But there was many of those type of moments as the match built up. This mm-hmm. is the most brutal match I-, I might have ever seen. That's not like a, you know, not like a death match thing where they're doing crap like that or jumping off 20-foot things. But just as far as just a straightforward wrestling title right. match, it was insane. It looked like a match with, like, I don't know, Dick Murdoch and someone from like the 70s where it was just like straight up stiff shot after stiff shot. Everything looked like it hurt. Everything yeah. looked like it hurt. <laughs> and I and the first moment was I think in after like maybe seven or ten minutes when Okada kicked the hell out of Okada's chest or when Ibushi just kicked that kicked Okada in the chest to where it sounded like a gunshot. Mm-hmm. That was the first time I think when that started and it was like Oh my gosh. And there was so many moments as it kept going. Again, like when Obushi snapped and was just raining punches on him. And you know, most time punches in wrestling are punches in wrestling. It's just like, you know, whatever. They're covering up. They're not really connecting and stuff like that. But you could hear them just smacking into Okada's, like, the back of his neck. And it was, oh, it was awesome. It was so physical and so brutal. Mm-hmm. And... I, I enjoyed I enjoyed this match so much. You had the awesome moments with like the 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 pile drivers like on the the side of the ring, um, the the DDT on the outside that Okada hit Ibushi with onto the floor, like it, everything looked good. You had a, a great high spots with with Ibushi diving out of the ring. You know there was several of those. Like it it just had everything. It had everything you could possibly want from a title match. And then you add the classic New Japan at the end when a million finishers are just hit. And this is the time when that's okay, Harris. Not on the weekly second match of Dynamite, but at Wrestle Kingdom in the title match, be all, end all, I'm all for it. I'm all for kicking out of finishers in that situation. But but uh, this situation alone. And it worked. It worked here. You had a bushi, you know, a bushi kick out of... Everyone thought it was for sure done with with Rainmakers, and then he comes back on the offensive, hits his awesome finisher that like that like V trigger knee, but where he holds his his uh, hands and then just drives him into his knee. Mm-hmm. Okada kicks out of that, and then he just takes two Rainmakers, kicks out again, which people don't kick out of the Rainmaker like ever, so that was awesome, and then. But then, of course, Okada then does it again and finally gets the uh, gets the win. And it was, oh, it was it was just it was awesome. It was awesome. It was my favorite match of the whole 
two two nights and I watched it again yesterday after and it's still just as good and I I love this match. Yeah, I I didn't like it as much as you did clearly, but I enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> Even just again because you 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 talked about the brutality of it and the spots and the work rate and all that kind of stuff, but just the just the story itself that you you don't have to follow for a year to tell what's happening. Like Kota Ibushi looks like this golden god of wrestling. He looks like a he just he looked incredible. Like he'd been yeah. working all year, like his whole life for this moment. Yep. But Okada was so good that without having to resort to any crazy deathmatch spots, he just beat this kid down to the point where he just snapped and lost control and got really, really brutal. And the crowd responded to that, like you said, but it still wasn't good enough for him to get over the top. And that's just how good Okada is. That was just a really, really, really cool story to see play out. Mm -hmm. Like the passion of Kota Ibushi. And I don't know if it's the indifference, but like the professionalism, like this is another day at the office. This is what I do of Okada and Mm -hmm. and pulling it off. You know what I mean? That was awesome. Yeah, I, I love it. I, I love Okada. I, I love watching his matches so much. I, I might la- enjoy watching him more than anybody right now. He's just, he's awesome. Um, All right, so that was the first night. Again, awesome. And I remember being like, all right, obviously we're going to have Naito and Okada for the, the two belts, which is awesome. And you got Jericho, Tanahashi. Like, there's some stuff, but I remember being like, how can it be as good as, as this night? And then they... It was pretty close. They they pretty much nailed it. I mean, it was it was still it was still awesome. Um, so I I again I missed the first almost two hours of the show mm-hmm. because I didn't realize it started at one. So I had to rewatch some of the earlier matches. Um, I didn't watch the first six man tag team championship gauntlet match, so I can't talk about that. Uh, but you had the tag team match Jushin Liger and um, Sano versus uh, Hiromu Takahashi and, and Ryu Lee. That was a great match. I thought it was a great swan song for, for Liger. A great job with Takahashi getting to go over because he really is one of the next, you know, the guys. And he's awesome. Just won the mm-hmm. junior heavyweight title the night before from Osprey. And I, I thought it was a perfect mm-hmm. guy to go over. The perfect situation. Perfect send-off. For just one of the all-time legends um, in the wrestling business, so I thought it was great. I know, I know, this is one that you've at least seen part of. So, I have. I I was gonna say we'll get a, we'll get to this as we go. I've seen that match. I've seen all the way up to. I just finished uh, John Moxley's defense of the U.S. title versus okay. Juice. That's all right. Perfect. That's where that's I am. pretty so, much where I started. So that okay, that, that works. Okay, well, great. So, yeah, it was good. I mean, I. Everything from this point on, I have been watching without commentary because I've been recording this podcast with you. (laughs) So I've been, you know, I've been keeping an eye on it, but I don't know the story as well. So for that reason, my commentary on some of this is going to be a little bit limited. You're right. I mean, it was everyone knew he was going to lose. It was a good match. I think you're you're right. Like you want to give the rub to somebody who's going to continue to do big things. So everything, like yeah, it was it was as good as it gets. I think and. I wish they did more real retirement matches in America. Yep. Looking at you, mm-hmm. Undertaker. Did it mm-hmm. four times and still aren't retired. Mm-hmm. Although technically they never actually said any of them were retirement matches. but Right, but it's still bad. I agree. Hey, I, I'm with you. You can't have a good match anymore. So like, I'm with you, you. you're done. You blew it. Totally agree. <laughs> um, 
so that was great. Uh, I didn't see the junior heavyweight tag team match, although I like those guys, um, Ishimura and El Fantasmo from Bullet Club, and then I like Yo and So, uh, or Yo and Show. I don't remember, but uh, they're good. But I, I didn't get a chance to watch it yet, so I can't talk about it. But um, uh, Bullet Club, or who won the? All right, yeah. So uh, yeah, Yo and Show won the won the titles they, they they won the titles from bullet club again bullet club lost every match until the end uh and then we had zach saber jr the british heavyweight championship versus sonata that was a great match again zach saber jr is just so much fun to watch because it's so different than we get to see from most wrestling now because it's just straight it's like watching a more exciting damian maya wrestle <laughs> but but if like you could use his style in a shoot in a in a um in a work way to where they can make it exciting. That's like Zack Saber Jr. And so it's fun I to watch. I do. I have a pretty good handle on the difference now, and the difference is that Will Osprey will just jump on top of you the entire match, and Zack Saber Jr. will spend the entire match tied in a knot around your stomach. <laughs> yeah. Like yep. they are like two, which like we talked about this. Like Osprey can do both. I'm sure Zack Sabre Jr. can do a little bit of both. But, like, in terms of what distinguishes them now in my brain, it's, like, two completely opposite human beings. So good Mm -hmm. for you, Zack Sabre Jr. And I love how he won the match, like, just based off a chain wrestling, like, pin attempt, like, roll-up. Like, I love that. Like, of course he's going to win a match that way because he knows how to roll someone up better than anyone else. Right. And it doesn't feel, like, cheap or, like, a letdown or, like, he stole one. You feel like he just wore the guy down. Yeah, I love that. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. So Zach Sabre Jr. retains the British Heavyweight Championship, which I, I, I know he's held that for like nine years. I don't know if there's <laughs> ever been another British wrestling champion. I'm sure there has been. But for me, it's just Zach Sabre Jr. created this on his own to be like, I'm the British champion in, in Japan. And, and so so there and always wins. I know that's not the case, but that's just what I like to think about it. I like to think of it as just his title he made up. Because he wanted to have a mm-hmm. championship that had his country on it, so I, I just mm-hmm. I find that amusing. But I great for him. That. Uh, then there was a U.S. title match. John Moxley takes on Juice Robinson, of course, the guy who he originally beat for the title his first time last year. So that was that was fun. Again, I only got to see the very end of the match, so I can't really talk about a lot of it. But I think everyone was surprised that Moxley actually won. Because everyone was like, "Oh yeah, Moxley's not in New Japan, so why, why would he, why would he keep the title?" But he did. He won. Yeah. So he, we're gonna get. Cool. And then Suzuki came out, which made everyone lose their minds. And now it looks. And then just beat the crap out of Moxley with that pile driver. And now it looks like uh, Suzuki and Moxley will have a title match, which everyone is excited for. Yeah, I was gonna say, explain Suzuki a little bit more to me because I recognize them. But again, watching without the commentary on, I was like, wait, who is that guy? Yeah. Because clearly it was a huge comeback. And then you're right. He just beat the crap out of him, hit him with a pile driver and stalked off. Yeah. So I could tell like it was a big deal, but I don't know who that was. I was about to ask you. Yeah, I, I, I'm not the best person to explain it because I'm not the biggest expert. But he's just one of the longtime staples in New Japan. Very brutal style. Uh, very vicious kind of style of of wrestling and um uh, again I'm, I'm not an expert so everyone else was freaking out more than i was just because p- other people know more than i do 
But yeah. that's kind of the thing, and and I feel like their styles are very similar with that. And so you want Moxley, who's kind of the crazy, doesn't care what happens to him guy, and then Suzuki's yeah. the brutal, can literally just beat you to death type of guy, like legend. So I feel like it's everyone's real excited about the the potential style matchup with these two just at the top of their game. So I think that's the big biggest thing why people are so excited about it. But again, I'm no yeah. expert with um, Suzuki. I just I've seen a bunch of his matches and that's about it. So yeah, I mean, I've, it looks cool on paper. It looks like a good matchup. That's yeah, I'm so. I'm all for it, all for it, and, and I'm all for Moxley in New Japan matches because he yeah. fits there so well. Just his style fits so well with the New Japan style, so I like it. Uh, you had the Never Openweight Title with Kenta, aka um, Hideo Itami from. NXT and 205 Live, which never really panned out. In I WWE. forgot he was on 205 Live. And uh, he's back with he's with Bullet Club, and he's the never he was the never open weight champion, but lost to Hiroki Goto, who I feel like is just oh, okay. always the never open weight champion. He's won the title like 160 times. I don't know how many, That's... but I feel like he's just always in never open weight title matches and always wins that title. That is okay. I haven't seen the end of this match yet. I don't really mind that you spoiled it because I don't. Really I'm gonna know spoil what I'm all of it. Sorry. Oh, don't do that, dude. I want to see the rest of it. Well, then Those how are we gonna talk about it? About. Well, then how are we gonna talk about it? I don't know, dude. I guess you'll just have to record separately without me. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Wow. This is the first time I knew that. <laughs> I don't want you spoiling this for me. Like the last four matches are the ones I'm super into. Crap. All right. Okay. Well, uh, thanks a lot, that. everyone, for incomplete breakdown of the. Uh, you can still Wrestle talk Kingdom. about the matches and what you thought of them without spoiling the results. You know that, right? Well, that's still spoiling it in a way. Telling, talking about the match. I mean, I don't know what to tell you, man. As long as I don't know who won or who lost, I don't care. Hang on, before we go down this road. I just want to say the Never Open Weight Championship is probably my favorite name for a title in all of wrestling. <laughs> it's pretty funny. It just sounds awesome. I don't know. I don't know what it is about that. Anyway, so Anyway. Uh, so uh, all right. Well, yeah. I'll I'll just have to continue on by myself and tell you talk about the rest of the the show, the rest of the matches and my brief thoughts about them. Uh, Sorry, guys. Jay White, Nabushi, Tanahashi, and Jericho, and then the uh, double gold dash for the IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental Championships, Okada and Naito. So, all right, guys, from now on, I'm going to be on my own. All right, everyone. Um, it's now just me to finish up talking a little bit about Wrestle Kingdom 14, which just took place. Listen to me and Harris review it, but then Harris hadn't seen these last few matches, so I don't want to spoil it for him. So I'm just going to talk a little about him myself, j just a little bit, just to kind of give my thoughts on him, because overall, really great show and some great matches here. So we finished with the Never Openweight Championship, uh, Kenta losing the title to Goto, and now it's time to move on to Jay White with Gato versus Koto Ibushi, the two losers of the two title matches from the first night. And um, another another really solid match. A lot of cool stuff um, in there. Again, I really, really like JY. A lot of people don't like him, 
I think he's perfect. I think he's he makes himself unlikable, and he does a really, really good job of playing that heel, and he's really good in the ring. Um, I think there's a big, big future with him, especially with him being so young. Actually, he's only a few years older than me at this point, already been IWGP champion and uh, head of the Bullet Club. And it was, uh, you know, he picks up the win over Ibushi, which was nice. It told a lot of stories. One, it kind of resets Ibushi. Like, he's gone all the way up. He got to the mountain, put on an amazing fight, couldn't quite get it done, and then kind of start spiraling now. You can kind of do some sort of reset with him. He's already shown this brutal side, which is very different. We saw that in the Okada title match. And then we saw it in, in this match as well. He had a few of those uh, really kind of mean, kind of mean, vicious moments. So I think that's a good path for him to go on it's good for Jay White Bullet Club finally got a win so it'll be interesting to see what they do with that of course with the ending uh with the Bullet Club ending that throws even more questions into it so not quite sure how that's gonna play out but it makes everything very excited I like the Jay White got the win um it was a really brutal ending there uh with with some great moves the straight jacket uh Blaze Sunday uh, like suplex and then then blade runner a couple of times which is just brutal whenever he does it so big win for him i think it's a nice reset for abushi and it'll be interesting to see the character development that kota abushi goes through and where bullet club and jay white go from here especially with the uh the way the pay-per-view ended so the next match tanahashi and uh against chris jericho the aew champion and tanahashi of course if he wins he gets an aew world title shot so there's a lot in here, and a lot of people wondering about it, if that's going to be the, they made a big deal of teasing the, the potential door opening for New Japan to AEW with this match, and many things like that, which I kind of thought was a little ridiculous, like, it can happen regardless to what happens in this match, and then even after the match, Jericho said that anyway, so I thought that was kind of, you know, whatever. Um, right off the bat, annoying, because New Japan won't play the uh, Judas song, they really won't play any real songs for many of these people. They they use Judas back at uh, the first Russell Kingdom against Kenny Omega a couple of years ago. But uh, the last couple of shows that he's wrestled there, they haven't done it. They just put on this generic crap over the back, and it's annoying. Whatever the rights things, it's dumb by both sides, I think. I know New Japan is not good at paying rights fees um, and royalties, but for something like this, I really think people should have been smarter at just getting that done, because it, it just, it was annoying. Now, I did see people saying it might have been a great heel move for Jericho, just be like, forget it, I'm not giving you guys anything, and I'm just going to have them deal with a crappy song, which is a pretty good heel move, I'll give them that. So if that's the case, well, that's fine. Um, but again, Jericho's just real good. I mean, he's not what he was in the ring, of course not. He's going to be 50 years old. He can't move like he used to, but I think he does a good job with working through his limitations a lot of times. I mean, he adopted that kind of brawling style a couple of years ago. Like, again, like with that Kenny Omega match, did a good job with that. Uh, this was not that. It was much more of a straightforward wrestling match, which was kind of interesting. But he's still able to hold his own. Of course, Tanahashi also older as well, but he's still fantastic. So the guys were able to put on a good move back and forth. Uh, a lot of cool Jericho being wild, crazy heel outside moments, more cameras and, uh, you know, more, more stuff like that, which I liked a lot of, a lot of kickouts, a lot of finishers. Um, so, you know, all that was, all that was good, but then ending night, nice ending there with Jericho actually making him tap out with, uh, kind of, a he, he really was doing the walls of Jericho most of the time, but, uh, doing 
basically trans transferring it into basically a lion tamer at that point by the end with how high angle it was and uh, getting a pretty brutal tap out of Tanahashi which I was surprised I was surprised they had Tanahashi uh, tap out actually so that was again that was kind of surprising I'm not surprised they Jericho win but I was surprised with the tap out with someone like Tanahashi but overall good match and then moving on to the main event the Double Gold Dash, the IWGP Heavyweight title and the Intercontinental title, Kazuchika Okada and Tetsuya, uh, Tetsuya Naito, or Naito, whatever. Um, another great match. I didn't like this one as much as the previous title match the night before, Ibushi and Okada. I thought was a little bit better, or maybe I just enjoyed it more, but this match was, it was great. It was great. It was pretty much everything we expected and wanted from a match this big. Naito, of course, has tried for years and years to get to this mountaintop. He's had several chances, hasn't been able to do it, and finally is able to do it by defeating uh, Okada in just a brutal match. Again, Okada's the best. He's the best in the world, literally. He is the best. He's the best champion. Everything about him is perfect. It's just awesome, and he... he pretty much controlled most of the match at the beginning it was kind of naito um but okada pretty much took over most of the match offensively and he just kept just dismantling naito he did an awesome spot uh, working on his leg because of course naito hurt his leg in the previous title match against jay white so he worked on his knee a lot did an awesome move where he slammed his knee straight through an announcer's table you don't see okada do stuff like that okada's not one to really go outside and and use the environment. I mean, that's not usually his go-to, so I thought that was good. It kind of helped sell Naito as being more of a challenge. Also helped kind of sell Okada feeling it from the night before, kind of wanting to get it done more. I liked that story a lot. Um, but ultimately, the story was just both guys consistently kicking out of stuff. Naito continuing to get through all the adversity. Naito was awesome. That poison run off the top was amazing that Naito hit. I can't believe Okada kicked out of it. landed straight on his head. So that was a great, great moment. Um, and then Naito hit several Destinos, and um, Okada kicked out of a couple of them. It might have just been the one, but still pretty good. Okada hit some amazing, just perfect drop kicks. He might have the best drop kick in the business right now. Just looks absolutely brilliant. Hit a few of those at the end. Hit some Rainmakers. Um... And also ended up hitting a uh, that spinning tombstone, which is pretty cool. Spinning tombstone, then the Rainmaker really thought it was going to be over, but Naito somehow kicked out of that. And uh, tried to do it again, but Naito was able to get back into it. And uh, he actually he kicked out of two more Rainmakers. And then instead of going for the pin, though, like Okada probably should have, he tried to dismantle Naito even more, and that's where it really went away. Naito... Ended up uh, countering it, and then he hit, uh, it countered into that that Destino, and somehow he kicked out of that. Uh, Naito then hit that Stardust Press, which was really cool, but Okada kicked out of it again. I'm telling you, at this point, you have no idea what's going to happen. And then um, at the end, Naito hit that uh, 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 Pile Driver, and then Destino again, and then finally pinned him and became that uh, the double champion. First ever double champion, and his first time with the IWGP heavyweight title. Again, so much, such a buildup for him. Everyone was so happy. The arena exploded. Just a great, great moment for Naito. And a cool moment as he left, as Okada acknowledged him as he, would be, he was being helped out. 
down the ramp. That was a cool moment as well. But, uh, you know, Naito grabbed the mic, gave some words, and said he'd love to wrestle Okada, you know, again, and a lot of that stuff. But but then, as the moment was all this feel good, here comes Kenta flying out, attacks Naito from behind, beats him up, hits him with the GTS, and, stand, and sits crisscross over his face and chest, holding both belts, and becomes the biggest heel in the entire business. Boy, what a great way to end the show. A lot of people were mad, for real. They're like, oh, this is his moment. But no, that's perfect. You just made this guy the biggest heel in the business, built up a ton of press for the next match, and uh, it's perfect. Exactly what I, I thought that was a perfect way to, to do the end right there. You gave Naito a moment, but then you immediately set up something next, and I think that's the way wrestling should be. I like that a lot. So, overall, fantastic show. I'll, I'll probably watch this again. I've already watched that Ibushi Okada match more than once, and some of these other, especially that uh, final match with Okada and Naito, definitely be watching again, and uh, probably for a long time because it's just, it's just such, it's so good, so good, man. Wrestle Kingdom, so great. We'll see if maybe I watch a little bit more New Japan over the year. Um, mostly, it's been just Wrestle Kingdom, then every now and then Dominion or, or some G1 stuff, but we'll see. We'll see if maybe this is. Uh, I'll try and finally get into this, but who knows? Who knows? Anyway, that'll do it for this recap of Wrestle Kingdom 13. Thank you so much for listen, er, to listening to this special edition of Behind the Gorilla. And make sure and check out our new episode dropping um, where we are talking about the WCW very weird feud between Kidman and the franchise over Tori Wilson. Yes, lots of stuff happens. So definitely check out the next episode of behind the grill and follow us on twitter at um at behind underscore gorilla also on instagram at behind underscore gorilla and, and on facebook um it's just at behind the gorilla Let's check all that stuff out thank you so much for listening have a great night